This is a podcast from WSUM. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. From the studios of WSUM in Madison, less than a mile away from the capital of the Koch-funded Banana Republic of Wisconsin, this is State of Delusion. We've got a great show coming up for you today. Uh, We've got banks gone wild over spring break. They're completely unregulated with no government oversight. And a Florida man annexes Disneyland for more living space for senior citizens and alligators, presumably. And a Mexican standoff is brewing over the border. But first, the opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the views of WSUM, University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its boards of regents. They only represent my opinions. And others, hopefully. All right, so let's begin with our first story. First, you know, it's beginning to look a lot like 2008. As on Thursday, the 9th of March, a medium-sized bank known as Silicon Valley Bank, their stocks fell 60% in one day. But as well uh, as other banks, like uh, bigger bank stocks like J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo, Citigroup, Bank of America, Chase, they all went tumbling down as well, each one of them going as low as 4% and even as high as 6% down in all of their stocks. In total, 18 banks in the S&P lost $80 billion in value. So what happened? First off, you need to know that Silicon Valley Bank is a bank for mostly startups, you know, like hippie, techie kind of startups. Most of these startups don't actually make a lot of money, but they burn through a lot of it. And Silicon Valley Bank was making risky bets on whether the Federal Reserve would raise its interest rates, as heard here in this clip with the chairman of Silicon Valley Bank, Gregory Becker. Think about the Fed. Um, what they want to do is making sure they're they're kind of managing kind of all all financial risk, mm-hmm. right? And so much of that risk has gone outside of the banking sector. Unfortunately for him, not even his depositors trusted him. One of them, a far right billionaire by the name of Peter Thiel, who said this little wise nugget on the problems of racism, sexism, and other forms of discrimination. The problems of racism, sexism, other forms of oppression have been vastly exaggerated. And as a result, people get unjustly accused. Yes, people are getting unjustly accused of racism and sexism. Now, he began to fear, Peter Thiel began to fear that he could possibly not have access to all of his money because he heard from a friend who heard from a friend that they were having trouble getting money out of the bank. So in turn, he told a friend who also happened to tell a friend who told a newspaper and shared it among friends who told their friends in group chats that they're having trouble getting their money too. Then these forward-looking minds of Silicon Valley came together over a group chat to come up with an innovative way to save all their money. They called it the I-Run, as in the I'm running to the bank to get my fucking money. With the tech investors 
With the tech investors' uh, 1930s-style banking run on SVB, Silicon Valley Bank stood no chance. SVB was like a piggy bank left home alone with your uncle who's desperately trying to find cigarette money. By the morning, it was gone, and the bank lay in pieces. This same group of racist, turtleneck-wearing TED Talk fans, also known as tech investors, went into phase two of their innovative plan to save their money by complaining on Twitter. The Biden administration acted, and on March 10th, the FDIC came in to pick up the pieces, giving $40 million to the bank in order to make its creditors whole. And the government took over Silicon Valley Bank. Then yet again, another bank over the weekend collapsed on Saturday, March 11th. This time, the bank was New York-based Signature Bank. In this case, the government had to step in again. Just like that, the feds came crashing in just before spring break party really started. Then... On Monday, March 13th, like a grandfather trying to fix a boo-boo, President Joe Biden made a statement about the health of the banking sector, explaining that, guys, relax, everything is going to be okay. Before I uh, leave for California, I want to briefly speak about what's happening in Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. And then everything proceeded not to be okay. As that boo-boo was starting to look a lot like a case of gangrene throughout the entire global economy. When Swiss bank Credit Suisse saw its stocks go tumbling down like Hannibal's elephants off the slope of the Alps, it sent the entire European banking sector with it taking out almost $120 million in value since March 8th. Some U.S. banks also fell when Credit Suisse fell to a record low of 30% down on its stocks. 30%! Why is this all happening? Well, with Credit Suisse, it's had problems for a long time, so honestly, that was coming. But for the American banks, the problem is, well, some good old deregulation courtesy of themselves. You see, during the Trump administration, the government rolled back banking regulations in the Dodd-Frank Act that could have prevented this collapse in the first place. The regulations they specifically rolled back were those impacting what are called medium-sized banks. A medium-sized bank is basically uh, too small to be a large bank, uh, too big to be a small bank. It's kind of the Goldilocks of banks, except that um, they do fail. Uh, these medium-sized banks spent nearly $400 million to get rid of rules that would have required them to be tested to see whether or not they could survive a financial collapse. But just to show how stupid this system really is, even the frank in Dodd-Franked Act that created the rule in the first place to test banks, to stress test banks in order to see if they could survive a financial collapse, thought that it would be a good idea to get rid of this rule. Not because the rule didn't make sense, but because 
who was going to think about the moderate Democrats in red states in 2018? As to the Democrats who voted for, I don't want them losing in 2018 because the community bankers were trying to get them defeated. People think of uh, the big banks, J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, uh, Wells Fargo as the most politically influential. They're not. The community banks have the most influence because every single member of Congress has community banks in his or her district. I am glad to give those Democratic senators the chance to uh, satisfy the independent bankers without a cost to the whole bill. He just wanted them to satisfy the medium-sized bankers so they wouldn't lose. What he neglected to tell you, though, in that clip is that Barney Frank himself had become one of those good old mid-sized mom-and-pop, really, bankers. Because Barney Frank happened to sit on the board of da-da-da-da, New York Signature Bank, the one that I mentioned was the second bank to fail in this latest banking crisis. And all of those moderate Democrats in red states that Barney Frank was so concerned about, every one of them who were up for re-election in 2018 and voted for that bill on the Democratic side lost except for one person. And all I have to say to them is... Bye, Felicia! <laughs> you gotta love the free market where the only thing that's free is businesses from consequences meanwhile in the nation's senior living facility for senile republicans florida they passed a law taking away disneyland's nearly 50-year autonomy in decision making on february 28th as part of of Ron DeSantis's ongoing war on woke. Woke, 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 woke. And his continued flirtation with the idea of running for president. Will he or won't he? Why is he playing so coy? When will he make his first move? Does he actually want to do it? Well, I don't know, but like many Americans, the situation is just making me feel downright uncomfortable. Here's Ron at the signing. And this bill will also impose uh, Florida law uh, on this area, just like it's imposed on Universal Studios and SeaWorld and all these other places. So Disney loses self-governing status. The state of Florida is the new sheriff in town. But, you know, I got a lot on my plate. I can't be running this, uh, you know, from the governor's office. So we've created a state control board uh, that is going to be responsible for governing uh, this area. The anti-woke puppet government installed by Ron DeSantis will include the following group of people. Bridget Ziegler, a school board member, a parental rights activist, critic of critical race theory, you know, that woke theory. Woke, woke, woke. And co-founder of Moms for Liberty, a group kind of like the Sons for Liberty. So basically, she's like the Samuel Adams, if you will, of all Karens. In an interview with NPR quoted in an article done by them called Five DeSantis Allies Now Control Disney World's Special District, Here's What's Next, she said it's talking about Disney's woke agenda, of course, alienated their base consumers across the country, and that that has an impact on the financial aspects of Disney. 
the financial aspects she was referencing was Disney's loss in terms of Disney Plus subscribers. And you know what? Here, she's right. They don't know what their base really wants. The day that Disney Plus base consumers saw a big green She-Hulk twerking with Megan the Stallion, they unsubscribed because the true question is, where are all the white women at? <laughs> then there's Ron Perry who recently posed and tried to answer the biggest, most crucial philosophical question of the decade. Why are there homosexuals today? Um, there are any number of reasons, um, you know, that are given. Uh, some would say uh, the increase in estrogen in our societies. You know, our, there's estrogen in the water from uh, the um, uh, from birth control pills. They can't get it out. That's right. They're putting birth control in the water to make the kids gay. Now, the Philosopher King is uh, a CEO of an airline. He's also the chairman of The Gathering, an organization that takes a Christian lens, so-called, at issues facing society. Not to be confused with Magic The Gathering, the card game. It's more like Redneck The Gathering. All right, Billy Bob, it's my turn. I tap in my cousin who owns a mechanic shop. And I summon a Bud Light to increase his effectiveness in his attack. And I cast a spell. And that spell is Jesus' love of me to guilt trip you. Your move, Billy. <laughs> and the, the other three board members who were appointed have a common theme, if you can spot it. Uh, Martin Garcia is a chairman of the board and is a donor to Republicans. Michael Sasso Orlando is also the board on the board and is a donor to Republicans. And finally, Brian August Jr. is going to be sitting on this board as well. And it just so happens that he's also a Republican donor. The new oversight board will have the power to oversee city functions like sewage treatment, maintaining local road, uh, roads, and other boring stuff. Most importantly, they will get to determine whether Disneyland can go through with certain projects, even possibly renaming projects. And, oh, this is just coming in. We got breaking news just to my office. Breaking news. All right, so the breaking news is State of Delusion has just received, just received a leaked document of renamed park rides in the board's very first action. Again, this is State of Delusion, breaking news exclusive leak, just faxed over, you won't find it anywhere else. Okay, the Disney Oversight Board will be renaming the following rides with new names and descriptions. The famous Disneyland ride, It's a Small World, will now be renamed to It's a Small but Ultimately White World. The description reads as follows. Are you tired of being ashamed to be white? Well, this ride's for you. We've removed all the multicultural woke dolls and replaced them with Anglo-American dolls that embody Judeo-Christian Western values. The Disneyland ride, Raiders Spring Racers, will now be renamed 
into Reagan's Unregulated Racers. There you go again. The description reads as follows. No seatbelts on this ride. Sorry, Ralph Nader. In fact, no speed limit whatsoever. The entire ride is powered by gasoline, but not that unleaded gasoline. Instead, pure lead-laced gasoline. Sorry, woke environmentalist. Finally, the Disneyland rides soaring around the world will now be renamed to bombing around the world. Description reads as follows. Take a front row seat to the world on an American drone as you go on a blast from the past as you visit countries that have been liberated through American bombs like Somalia, uh, Iraq, Libya, and of course all of that coming just one bomb at a time. And while that concludes our breaking report. (laughs) Speaking of bombing around the world, let's go on to our final story of the night. I promise this will make sense as everything unfolds. Earlier this month, four Americans were kidnapped and tragically two of them were killed in Mexico. Now, the four Americans went to Mexico so that one of their friends could get a tummy tuck. And even though one of the friends who took part in the trip was skeptical on whether to go to Mexico to get this procedure done, uh, they didn't think it was a good idea. They still proceeded to, uh, to do so. Even the U.S. government, through the State Department, warned against any U.S. citizen from traveling there to the specific region in Mexico that that group of people traveled to. They weren't the only ones who died uh, there, too. One Mexican woman sadly lost her life as well in the shootout that occurred before the four Americans were ultimately kidnapped. Uh, The Scorpion Cartel took responsibility for the kidnapping and the carnage that unfolded. Well, by responsibility, I mean passing the blame. They issued an apology letter and handed in the apparent perpetrators. The letter quoted in an AP article entitled Letter Claims Mexican Cartel Handed Over Men Who Killed Americans. It reads, We have decided, to, and this is quoting the AP article that's quoting the letter, We have decided to turn over those who were directly involved and responsible in the events who at all times acted under their own decision-making and lack of discipline, the letter reads, adding that those individuals had gone against the cartel's rules, which include respecting the life and well-being of the innocent. Because, folks, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of or I hear respecting the life of the well and well-being of the innocent, I think armed criminal gangs. I I mean, who can forget that most famous and legendary of Crips, Mother Teresa? But what's interesting, though, is that these four Americans aren't alone. According to an NPR article entitled, The Four Kidnapped Americans Are Part of a Large Wave of U.S. Medical Tourism in Mexico, Even before the pandemic, around 1.2 million people had gone to Mexico for elective treatments, this coming from uh, Joseph Woodman, the CEO of Patients Beyond Borders. Of course, you've got 
your elective surgeries, you know, your tummy tucks, butt lifts, stuff like that. But some people go down to Mexico to get dental work done, medications, because they can save up to 50% to 70% by going to an entirely different country in order for some people to just get dental work and medications at a lower price in the United States. Now, after hearing this, you're probably thinking what I've initially thought when I read this, well, this this should be a highly preventable tragedy, and we could possibly make it even more preventable by at least reducing the cost of health care and medication in the United States. That way, no one has to go to Mexico to buy medicine or get dental work done if they need it. Surely there are some senators who are ready to stand up and take the high cost of medication on and dental and dental treatment as well in this country to make sure that nobody has to go to Mexico risking their lives in order to get an affordable treatment. Wait, wait, I hear that Lindsey Graham has got an idea. Let's listen to him. I'm going to introduce legislation, Jesse, to make uh, certain Mexican drug cartels, foreign terrorist organizations under U.S. law and set the stage to use military force if necessary. I would tell Mexican government, if you don't clean up your act, we're going to clean it up for you. Lindsay's angry. If you don't clean up your act, Lindsay's going to have to come down there with a Swiffer wet jet and a Reaper drone and clean it up for you. Well, that is not the <laughs> exact response that I was, you know, expecting. Uh, but Lindsay's far from the only Republican who now wants to let them drones loose over in Mexico. Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted out recently, according to a Daily Beast article entitled, These Republicans Want Drone Strikes on Mexico. She tweeted out, Explosive. Let me see if I can do a Marjorie Taylor Greene voice. Explosive. <laughs> Explosive found by Border Patrol agents January 17th. Green read, uh, tweeted above a picture of a duct taped wrapped item. Agents have surveillance of who brought it in and when and confirmed it was the cartel. This changes everything. Not only are the cartels murdering Americans every day through drugs and crime, but now they are planting bombs on our land, in our country. Our U.S. military needs to take action against the Mexican cartels in this cartel-led war against America. And it, it turns out that uh, this object that she was so ready to go to war over... Turns out that that object that she was talking about, uh, that U.S. Border Patrol had tweeted out, that, like her, the object was just full of sand. Something that may be very annoying and irritating to the skin. It may sometimes even accuse Jews of owning space lasers and burning down forests. Uh, but ultimately, it was not a bomb. But the stage is set for a classic Mexican standoff. Lindsey Graham and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene has said, "You got until the you've got until the clock strikes twelve, Mexico." 
Well, Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, otherwise known as AMLO, responded to their calls, saying that they were not going to allow any foreign government to intervene, much less foreign armed forces to intervene in our territory. And then he threatened a PR campaign to tell Mexican-Americans that the Republicans are bad, because apparently they don't already know that. So AMLO fired back. But, you know, the Republicans, they're not one to be outgunned. They responded to AMLO's threat of a PR campaign, to their threat of an illegal invasion of airspace of a foreign nation. So Dan Crenshaw fired back in this response. Yeah, you know, my response to him is, who are you representing, the the Mexican people or the cartels? Uh, He seems to be representing the cartels. He makes it sound like there's going to be tanks rolling in over the border, you know, attacking Mexican military all of a sudden. That's, of course, not what's going to happen. What would happen is how they... We would carpet bomb you into oblivion, is what he really wanted to say. But, you know, Captain Gringo Jingo here doesn't want to, you know, he wants to suppress his power level for the public. Oh, but you can't threaten old AMLO instead of going to the media... He had a rally of thousands of Mexican citizens, and he fired some of the last shots in this Mexican standoff. He said, Mexico is an independent and free country, not a colony or protector of the United States, and they can threaten us with any outrage but we will never ever allow them to violate our sovereignty and trample on the dignity of our homeland long live Mexico I'm pretty sure Mexico won this one. I know that there are some Republicans out there saying, wait, did you hear? Did you hear what he said in the clip? Did you hear it? Play it back. Play it black. He said Hamas. He said Hamas. Play it back, liberal. Hamas. Hamas. See, there he is. He said Hamas. That means AMLO is working with Hamas, and they're about to attack our country. We got to go in there right now. Now, listen. If the Republicans actually want to deal with the cartel problem in Mexico, they should know that their approach has failed for the past 70-plus years. The United States is where all the demand for these drugs are coming from. And if you don't deal with the demand, then supply will keep on popping up. The Republican strategy is basically that we play whack-a-mole with a bunch of drug suppliers in Latin America, hoping that one day there will not be any more drugs. That's not how we're going to deal with this. We have literally spent billions of dollars in this endless war on drugs, and it's gotten us nowhere. And the mor- and, and these morons think that Reaper drones are somehow going to change the fucking game? When we've been using everything in our arsenal, guns, armored vehicles, certain communities in the country have even lost their rights in this endless war on drugs. 
And let me just set the record straight on the Republican excuses about, oh, this would be just like Plan Columbia, which is this example they keep on using, Plan Columbia, where uh, the U.S. government went in to intervene within Columbia with their consent, of course. Let me just tell you a little piece of evidence of why their strategy will not work. In a piece done by Jacobin, where they talked to the historian Benjamin T. Smith, author of The Dope, A Real History of the Mexican Drug Trade. He explained how the very first illicit drug agency in the United States dealt with this problem. The FBN, that's what they were called, the FBN, that was the first illicit drug agency in the United States, was disbanded because of a corruption scandal. Because a third of them were on the payroll of drug dealers. And the second drug agency in the United States history, the BNDD, was disbanded for similar accusations and cases of corruption. The historian Benjamin T. Smith went on further in an article to explain that he had investigated other cases of corruption that went as high as the level of the office of senators. Senators uh, like the position that Lindsey Graham holds, for example. And even I just read the other day about a head of a police union was found smuggling fentanyl into the country, helping to smuggle in fentanyl, a police union in the United States. So Mexico's not uh, the only bad apple when it comes to the trafficking of drugs into this country. But the interesting thing is that he couldn't find too much stuff because a lot of the files in the United States are redacted. So Senator Lindsey Graham, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Dan Crenshaw can all save the crocodile tears because ultimately they work for the biggest drug dealers in town. And that's big pharma. That's why none of them introduced a bill or supported a bill that would lower drug prices in this country. None of them. Not a single one of them. Also, do we really want to take advice about foreign policy from Lindsey Graham, the guy who said this was the biggest mistake in United States history. The American uh, mistake of the ages was letting Iraq get out of control, not having enough troops. We paid heavily for that mistake. Now we've got it turned around militarily, politically. They are not where they need to be in terms of the Iraqis. Yeah. The senator who voted for the Iraq war thinks that the biggest mistake the United States has made was not sending over more troops to kill and be killed in a pointless war. And that's all that I have for you tonight. That's all that I have for you, well, for this episode. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you tune in to our next episode. It's going to be a special live episode uh, I hope you tune into it. I can't share too much details right now. I'm still working out the details of it, but uh, we'll probably have some interesting guests and cover an issue that uh, is on a lot of people's minds. So please tune into that, and I will see you next time. Looking for more from WSUM? If you're craving some cutting-edge music, our online stream, WSUM Freeflow, is the place to go. This internet-based platform delivers the best in hyperpop, rap, punk, hip-hop, and metal. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and is home to some of our most spontaneous programming. That's WSUM Free Flow, available via WSUM.org.